0: well good morning it's great to be back thank you pastor jeff for allowing me to come back and uh not have to wear a robe and what a what a great thing but how what do you think of the what do you think what do you think <laughs> oh I, I i i'm like you dude i'm blue jeans sure that's my kind of dress so good to be with you and uh, it's a privilege to be here um My wife, Rhonda, is right there. Would you stand up, honey? Come on. And my son, Andrew, alias Smitty. Come on, boy. All right. So uh, how does Jeff Kersey keep his hair so brown? (laughs) You know what? We're the same age. I don't get it. But some of you are blessed with hair and some of you aren't. Right? That's right. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for a chance to uh, learn about your word more, to study it, to hear it, to obey it. We love you. Uh, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey and to respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I had a question for you. How many of you um, have ever been to a movie, a 3D movie, where you have to wear 3D, where you have to wear the glasses? Could I see? We have a group group moment here. You have to wear, okay. And so how many of you have ever gone to, like, like we went to see Secret Life of Pets, okay. And so we had to wear the glasses, right? Um, how many of you have ever cheated, like, halfway through? You were like, I'd like to see what the movie's like without the glasses. Has anyone ever done that? Okay. Okay. And what do you see when you when you when you look? It's like distorted and it? it's like cloudy. It's like it's just un, you just can't get it. It's it's strange. And so you decide to put them back on. Well, our series that we're starting for four weeks is called Flip the Lens. And we're asking you to consider flipping the way you look at life and how you interpret life and looking at life from God's perspective, not your own perspective. And in order to do that this morning, we have to, we have to ask the question, what does it mean to live with joy? Is joy the same thing as happiness? Like, so how many of you did t- last night, how many of your team, how many of your football team won? Any of you guys, your football team won? Okay. Okay. And, uh, now, I'm rooting for the Cubs, okay? And, and it's not looking good. Josh it's not looking good, is it? It's not looking good. And I want those guys to win so bad. They haven't once since, what, 1908. But is your, is your life dependent upon happiness? If things go well, you're excited? If things aren't so well, life isn't fair, how do you deal with that? Well, the Bible says something very hard to understand. It says, in a challenge way, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And he says it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, this is a a challenge for us. And the root word here for rejoice is joy. It's sort of like it means to celebrate God all day, every day, to revel in him, to celebrate him. And so this morning, I want to give you a definition of joy because I believe that joy and happiness are different your team wins, you're happy. If they lose, you're not so happy. But I think happiness and joy are different. Now, the guy that wrote, uh, wrote Philippians 4.4, 4, he has an incredible resume. His name is Paul. He was a young Jewish man, and he was, he was, a, he was a Pharisee, which means that he knew all 613 commandments. He knew them backward and forth. In fact, in Philippians 3, he says, I was a Pharisee, I was a tribe of Benjamin, which is like the coolest tribe. He goes, I was circumcised. That seems kind of weird. If you don't know what circumcision is, uh, Jack will tell you later. Now, seems weird that he would say that, circumcision, tribe of Benjamin. And then he goes on to say this, persecuted. I persecuted the church. Here was a young Jewish man who persecuted the church, the church being the people. And he encountered Jesus, the Messiah, on the Damascus Road, had a vision of the resurrected Christ, and his life was changed. And immediately he went out and he started to speak and teach about the good news of of the gospel of Jesus. And it, it landed him in prison. And so for the majority of the New Testament, 27 books he wrote. Many of them he penned from prison. I don't know about you, but if I were to write a letter to my wife and my kids from prison, I would probably say things like this. Life is difficult. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. I'm really angry. I'm sad. I should not be here. This stinks. This is awful. Instead, Paul writes this. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. How can he do that? This morning I want to give you a definition of joy that I think will clear it up for all of us. Joy isn't happiness. It's not a feel good, it's not a feeling. Joy is an attitude. I want you to write this down. You have a little sermon, sermon outline here? The great thing about a sermon outline, men and women, is you, you know when I'm getting to the end, okay? <laughs> Joy is an attitude. It's an attitude. There's three things here. It's an attitude, it's a celebration, and it's a choice. It's an attitude, it's a celebration, a choice that relies on God's power no matter what situation you're in, no matter what your circumstances are. And some of you are in tough situations right now. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a boss that you don't get along with. No matter what you're facing this morning, God can put a resiliency in you called joy. Now, when you decide to become a Christ follower, he puts things inside of you. One is he starts to change you. One, he starts to make you different. And one of the things that he puts inside of you is called the fruit of the spirit. And one of the fruit of the spirit is called joy, which means it needs to grow. Now, I believe that the way joy grows, whether we like it or not, and Kate Warren is the wife of the pastor, Rick Warren, uh, from Saddleback Church, a very famous pastor. She says, joy is like a, it's like a railroad track. And like going this way, you've got testings and trials. And on the other one, parallel, is joy. And hopefully they will eventually mer- merge together. And the point is this, men and women, is that joy has to be tested. It has to be proven. It has to be pruned like, like a vine and a branch. And so with sufferings and trials can can emerge not happiness, but joy. And you get that bad report from the doctor. You get that, that bad grade at school. There's probably not a lot of happiness. But here's Paul sitting in prison. He's got this insatiable joy that says, I rely on God. Not my situation. I don't pray to get out of it. I don't pray to God to change it. I pray to stay connected to God because that's where our joy comes. Perhaps Perhaps you've heard of Scott Hamilton. Scott Hamilton was the great Olympic skater. Scott Hamilton is five foot three. He was incredible in the Olympics. And seven or eight years ago, he got cancer. Then his mom got cancer. And then he got a brain tumor and then his mom died. And he got a second brain tumor. And a week and a half half ago, he came out saying he has a brain tumor again for the third time. His son came up to him and said, dad, do you have it again? He went, yep, got it again. What are you gonna do? He said, immediately my wife grabbed my hand and we prayed. He says, it was a powerful moment. And he said, as my wife was praying, I, I had this, this joy well up inside of me that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my situation or circumstances is, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna rely on God. And men, when, women, I don't know what you're going through this morning, nor do I need to know. But no matter what walls you're facing, no matter what difficulty, as you and I start to create this attitude, this celebration, this choice that I'm going to rely on God no matter what, he puts joy inside of you. Now, there's a case study that we need to know about. It's called the Jericho walls. And the scripture that was read to us is from Joshua chapter 5 and 6. Now, God has promised the people of Israel that if they will move towards the promised land, they've got to go through one element. And that element is called the walls of Jericho. Now, here's what you need to know about the walls of Jericho. They were impenetrable. They were huge. They were enormous. And you would not be able to humanly knock them down. God does not tell Joshua, hey, get your swords ready. Get your artillery ready. He says, no, no, no. You don't even have to pick up a hammer. I will knock these walls down if you will trust me. And God's promise to Joshua, I will knock them down. Now, the people of Israel were battling the people of Jericho. Now, here's what you need to know. The Israelites were facing the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Mesquite bites, Amorites, Tickbites, Budlights. Help me out, help me out. Come on, come on. I'm working here, I'm working. But literally, they were people of war and they are battling. Now, the people of Jericho, they were not friendly people either. They were enormously evil, they were ferocious, they were barbaric. Scripture says in Deuteronomy that I found last week, listen to this, they committed detestable acts that the Lord hates, all in the name of their gods. They've burned their sons and their daughters as sacrifices alive to their gods. They burned their children alive. So Joshua's like, well, maybe we won't go through Jericho. You know, maybe you don't wanna get them mad. God says, no, 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 go. Go and I will lead you. Go and we will knock these walls down. Now, the walls were huge. There were outer walls and there were inner walls. And on the inner walls, there were little places to shop. Like maybe there was a Starbucks or maybe it was a little Claire's. They got these little shops going on selling merchandise. Maybe back then they called it Walmart or Walgreens. Or maybe they were showing a movie called Star Walls. Help me out here, help me out. These walls were impenetrable and God says, listen, you can do it. He meets this mysterious man called the commander of the army of the Lord. Now we know that this is not an angel because immediately Joshua gets down and he worships. He gets on the ground and the man says, take your shoes off. He takes his shoes off. We know it's not an angel because an angel would say, no, 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 get up, get up, get up. We know that this is not just some stud like Braveheart. Like, you know, this is not some Rocky Balboa. This is not some, this is not some stud guy. Authorities say that this is God in the form of a human. Some scholars say this is Jesus before Jesus became Jesus on planet Earth. And this encounter with the commander of the army of the Lord empowered Joshua to go and knock those walls down. What's your attitude about life right now? Joy is an attitude, it's a celebration, it's a choice that relies on God no matter what the situation. So how do we maintain joy in the midst of difficulty? Let me suggest two this morning. Number one, the attitude of the warrior is more important than the altitude of the wall. Would you say that with me, ready? The attitude of the warrior is more important than the altitude of the wall. I don't care how big the walls you're facing today, God says, if you will develop this attitude, this celebration, this choice to rely on me, God says, if you will rely on me, I will give you this insatiable joy that no matter what your circumstances are, I will be with you. Joshua did not believe he was going to win. He did, wasn't hoping that they would have victory. He knew that. He knew that God would do what only God does. God would pull that off. The attitude of the warrior is more important than the altitude of the walls. Second principle, joy comes by encountering the commander-in-chief. Joy comes by encountering the commander-in-chief. So I, keep, I teach... Uh, at Columbia International University. That's my full-time job. I've been there 24 years. And every four years, we can have what's called sabbaticals. Sabbatical is six to eight months where you get off and you kind of do your own shtick and you do what you want to do. Uh, I think everyone deserves a sabbatical. I especially think moms deserve a sabbatical. Amen? Yeah. All right, you got three claps there, Three, three of them. And so they ask you to set your goals, and so I did. One of my goals was to go overseas and teach. And I've been to every state. I've been to 19 countries, but I, 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 wanted to go, I wanted to go to England. So I had a friend from seminary days and he teaches over there. And so we worked out a deal. So we, Rhonda and Andrew and I got Andrew out of school for 13 days. And we went over there for, we actually, were, we were gone for 25 days. Plus, we did this little cruise. And during our time there, um, my wife, she said, uh, let's go to the Hatfield house. Now, my wife is what I would call a mapaholic. Okay, does, does that make any sense? Like, she loves maps, okay? And she can get us anywhere. She's, she's just, uh, and I'm directionally challenged. Anybody directionally challenged? Okay, so I could get lost anywhere. So we decided to go to the Hatfield House. The Hatfield House was built in 1611. And so it's an amazing place. And uh, we went there, and the, and then we, we, when we got there, we were going to kind of pay our money. And the lady, the British lady, she said, pardon me, sir we're closed I was like really what's going on she goes we're, we're closed but you can walk around so we started walking around and as we're walking around we see secret service people okay and like there's there and so like I went up to one of the guys you know they're on their little microphones right I was like I went I said like, what's going on deadpan nothing he wouldn't talk to me. Said nothing. So I was walking around. I'm an in inquisitive dude. So I walked around. I saw this lady, and I said, "Do you know? Do you know what's going on?" She goes, "Oh, Prince Charles, he's coming." I was like, "Here? Yes, like in an hour." I was like, "Cool. <laughs> he's going to be thrilled to meet me." So here we are. <laughs> here we are. We're, we're, we're walking through this little area and they got these little shops and they got these little pubs. And so we're walking through and my wife is brilliant. We see him coming in with his entourage and Ron is like... If you and Andrew go position yourself there, he might come out of that. So he goes into this little cufflink place. Isn't that right, honey? Kind of like a cufflink place. He goes through it, and Andrew and I are standing there, and he comes out, and he looks at us, and we look at him. And I didn't know if you'd like to go like this or bow or, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to do, you know. Head, shoulders, knees. And so I don't know what to do. And so, like, he reached out to shake my hand. I didn't know if you if I would get electrocuted or I just thought this is cool so I shook his hand and he says hello and I said hello and I said hi I'm David from America duh and I just said um it's great to meet you and um he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm teaching uh, at Cliff College up in the peak. Oh, he goes, oh, lovely, lovely. I said, he goes, how do you like, how do you like the UK? I said, oh, it's fantastic. We, how long are you here? He said, about three weeks. He goes, oh, brilliant, brilliant. And I just got like starstruck, stunned, like weird, like nervous. And I was like, but the real reason I'm here, Prince Charles, was to meet you. And he, and he said, well, you've come to the right place. So... <laughs> I walked away. We have a picture of Prince Charles. So that's our first, that's, that's me. That's me. Okay. And then we have one more uh, where I'm making, making him and the boys laugh. And um, I walked away and Rhonda, she's been taking pictures of Prince Charles, but now she's taking pictures of me because I'm going, oh my gosh, I just saw Prince Charles. And so he he actually looked back with like one of those scowls, like what is wrong with that? What is wrong with that human being? <laughs> I share that with you because one, it, it really happened, but two, I couldn't get this event out of my mind for like a year. I mean, I thought about it, talked about it all the time. I mean, first thing I would tell people is, hey, I met Prince Charles. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I was like, no, I did. I really did. I met the dude who's going to be probably the king if, if the queen would ever, <laughs> whatever queens do, if she ever passes, he'll take over. He, he will be the commander-in-chief. How much cooler is meeting that commander-in-chief, the king of kings and the Lord of lords? How much more impacting can it be when you start a relationship with Jesus Christ? And I did when I was 19 years old, and I've never been the same. And the ongoing encounter and the maintaining of that relationship and the maintaining of that friendship and the maintaining and the growing of that relationship with God produces joy. It's an attitude. It's a celebration. It's a choice that says, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, I will rely on God. And the Bible says this, when you heard the blast of the shofar, the ram's horn, the wall collapsed and the troops charged straight in and there was rejoicing in the city. Where's my shofar blower? I'll do it again. Come on. (laughs) No matter what you are going through today, no matter how how big, how impenetrable the walls are. If you choose today joy, you choose an attitude, a lens to flip the lens, I wanna choose it. And the joy is not the object. The object is God. Rejoice in the Lord as you put your trust in the Lord. The joy is almost automatic. Even when your walls don't come down. Even when you get that bad report. Even when your football team doesn't win. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Would you bow with me? And would you just take about 20 seconds quietly before God just to say, Lord, this morning I choose I choose to rely on you. I choose to have an attitude and a thankfulness and a celebration that says, you are God and I trust you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in our lives. We welcome you to do new things in us, that we walk out of here different people than when we walked in. No matter what we're going through, no matter what trial or what testing, no matter what we're suffering, we choose this morning you. We'll glance at the wall, but we'll fix our eyes on Jesus. We'll occasionally glance at the wall, but we'll fix ultimately our eyes on you. And we pray the, all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.